Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me is my very, very talented friend, who is a haiku, a sonic, and a limerick, all wrapped up into one, if you ask me. She's the mixtress, DC Gina. Thank you, Louise. <laughs> I feel very like a confused piece of literature. <laughs> That I would probably have gotten an F from my teacher, but I'm okay with that. I don't know, maybe, or just like, maybe like jazz. Maybe you're like the jazz of poetry. Ooh. Could Ooh. you do that? I could do jazz hands. There you go. <laughs> while you read, while you write your lit, I mean, your, I don't your know. poetry. I can now, yeah, you just speak it into your phone now. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. You'll be like, you're like, this is Gina, stop. Next line. Yeah. Da, da, da. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right. I'm getting lazier by the day. I'm like, yes. can the computer do it for me? Probably. All right. So let's get back to the show, shall we? So some people are lucky, right? They uh, not only do they have the perfect job, but they also um, they're also living their dream by doing what they love and being true to themselves. But for many, pursuing their passions isn't quite so easy. They kind of have to work at it. Whether they're a server with a love for playing a guitar, or maybe you're an accountant who enjoys skydiving. Pursuing your passions is important for our overall well-being and happiness, but sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes the day job just kind of gets in the way. So how can we make our passions a priority when we're so busy, you know, focusing on this full-time gig that we have to have? Well, good news. Today's designated drinker, she's figured it all out. She writes poems for people who believe they don't like poetry. Her words, not mine. And it's a passion she's been successfully pursuing all while holding down her full-time gig at the Department of Justice. So let's find out how she does it all. Please welcome to the show, poet and a woman who is after my own heart, Don E. Morrow. Morrow? Morrow? Tell me out. Morrow. Morrow. Why am I having a problem? Maybe like I'll get tomorrow, it better. I would say maybe I'll, that's why I said maybe I'll get it right tomorrow. You need to be a northerner. <laughs> Dawn, thanks for coming. <laughs> Sorry. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to show, Dawn. Thanks for having me. So I want to get to your poetry book. Absolutely. And it's The, the Habit of Hope, just so everyone knows. But first, um, will you take us back? Um, tell us what made, what, what was it that eventually led you into poetry? Because a little bit of a journey, right? It was totally a journey. So, um, if you had asked me back in high school and even in college, I would have told you I hated poetry. So I was introduced to it the same way most of you are. High school poetry class, high school English class, they give you all the guys that you don't know how to understand. They use big words, they use confusing images. Nothing was familiar. Um, fast forward a few years and I was actually playing with refrigerator magnets on my, on my- I love those. Yeah, me too, on my apartment fridge. And I started to string words together in a way that I wouldn't have strung them together before. And before I knew it, I had a little 12-line poem, which I then posted on, the, on an internet message board. Like, this was way back in the day. Everything's text, no pictures, no phones. Um, and somebody saw it and posted it honestly, asked who wrote it, and said they wanted to publish it. So That's I was crazy. like, yeah. So I was like, huh. Up until then, I'd been a writer, mostly essay and story. Um, and then I learned that I can write poems in one sitting, which is much more in line with my attention span. <laughs> um, so I started dabbling around that. Um, I was at a conference out behind a church in a little tent, and somebody read a poem called Adam's Choice by Jeannie Murray Walker. And it was the first time I'd heard a poem that I understood, connected to, and thought, hi, I think I could write something like that. 
Um, and that was really the beginning of my love affair with poetry. So I got to know Jeannie over several years. We actually traveled to Alaska together to do a writer's workshop in poetry. And at the end of that, she said, hey, you should go to grad school and I'll write your recommendation letter. Wow. Um, yeah. It's quite the compliment. That is crazy. So that's what I did. Um, I actually was accepted, I think, like five years ago yesterday. Just wow. popped up in one of my social media feeds. Um, so I did two years there where I started writing a lot of these poems, finished with a 60-poem thesis, and then took about half of them and incorporated them into my book. So how old were you then? So that would have been 2019, in my 40s for sure. Wow. See? See? Well, the point that I make there is that you're never too old to find that passion and follow it. I mean, I think some people say, oh, I can't, I've done this, or I've got kids, or I've got too busy. You carved out that space in your life to make room for that and to follow that passion. I'm sorry. I just wanted to applaud you for that, because that's amazing. I want to back up to Alaska. <laughs> what the hell did they give you in Alaska? You're like, yeah, I'll go to school when I came back. I mean, I feel like at this age, if someone told me to go back to school, I'm like, no. Like, I don't even care what the degree would be, and I'd still just be like, and I love school. This wasn't like I didn't, I want to, I didn't love being an academic, or I didn't envision myself in Oxford as a child, you know, whatever, right? I would have just said, no, what did they do to you in Alaska that you came back and you're like, yes. I think it was the first time somebody actually called me a poet. So before then, like, I wrote, I was kind of a dabbler, but that was the first time people were like, no, this work has some legs. Like, there's actually something something that you're producing that has whatever it is that makes poetry interesting. Um, and there was something soul. I felt yeah, some, yeah. yeah. soul. I tend to put humor in my poems, which is unexpected a lot of times. So I think it felt like I was following a storyline and it just felt like the next right thing, particularly when somebody's like, I'm going to write your recommendation letter. Yeah. You and don't turn like, that. Oh, you don't okay. Turn. Yeah. Did they, write, did they write the check, too, when you went back to school? They were like... They did not write the check. They were like, oh, and here... And also, here's $120,000 for that degree. Because that is when I would be like, all right, I'll go back to school. Not only was I like, I'm going to go back to school, I was like, I'm going to go back to school while I'm working full-time. Yeah. See, that is... Well, that's a true passion, right? Because yes. that's a double... You're living a double life. You're living a double life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there yeah. were a lot of weekends where I spent reading and writing thinking this was a very bad idea. What? Yeah, I'm just. I mean, I don't think it's. I'm. That's not what I was saying. I just think, just thinking to myself, like, that is a big decision to make at like this. Yeah. 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 Then again, you follow your passions, right? But yeah, and I would imagine in the middle of it, it had to be like you said. On the weekends, sometimes you're like, oh, I gotta write again. Where it's, it's the staying in it, keep your head there, keep your heart there. I'm sure it's easy to get distracted or. When I am, a consummate procrastinator. Like, it's really the thing I do best. So <laughs> that's one of the reasons I went back to school, because then it was forcing me to write and forcing me to produce yeah. poems. But I would, I would go right up to the deadline and then, like, cram a ton of writing. Um, and there was one week where I was applauding myself for doing so great. I was a week ahead. I was like, look at me. I've done all my reading. I've written a couple poems. I just have to turn out a couple critical papers and, like, three more poems. And then I realized my deadline was three days away, not 10. Oh. So my friends kept me plied with caffeine and food all weekend, and I turned out all my work in three days instead of a week. Wow. So, yeah, after that, I was just like, forget it. I'm just going to wait till the end. 
Dawn would also like some sponsorship from Diet Coke. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So that that would definitely be it. Sorry. Did you find? I did. I did. Right. So I worried. So, so, so listeners know, Gina, um, Dawn brought us one of her books. And We're going to have you been... read a, a poem, right? I feel like that was yeah. like one of your favorites. Did but you? I, but I wanted to say, I opened up, I opened up a page, um, 33, and... Um, <laughs> I just read, I read the garden state. I'm like, oh, and then it says Maza Plaza, uh, well, place. And I just started dying laughing because I'm like, oh my God, she's from Jersey. She really it's, from Jersey. It's a real Jersey gal. Yeah, because that is not something that like literally you know about unless like you are from the fruit of the state or like your family's <laughs> from there or you spend time. You just, that's not like showing up. Local jargon. Yeah. And then also she talks about the tomatoes, which is really like such a Jersey thing too. But I, read whatever you'd like. I would love for you to read something, though. Yes, please. Sure. You want me to read down? Yeah, let's do it. Let's read the first um, poem. Oh, right off the bat. Right off the bat. Um, so just a little bit of context. This book is a lot about kind of finding place um, when you're displaced. So I lost my family young um, through a series of disease processes primarily and started to write kind of out of that loss. So this poem is called Sounds Like Lace. When Lucy wrote of the ebb tide, sounds like lace, I returned to early mornings, shore front, bare feet on wet sand, my uncles on the pier casting lines or pulling up crab traps full of clicking claws we'd throw in a pot of boiling water till they came to the color of the sun on the bay side of the island. This year seems like the tide has gone out so far it's uncovered all the lost things swept to sea, seaweed tangled in rusted gears, a mangled mess of crushed up shell, remains of seagull snacks, and here and there, the bright blue glint of sea glass, edges worn smooth, frosted by years of tides, the water swaying like a woman who dances to the memory of a song she used to know. That's beautiful. What a memory. And think about it. It's, it's a beautiful, beautifully written poem about rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Which I never it's, thought about that. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's so beautiful. And then you're reading, I'm like, oh, it's about rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, folks, um, the name of the book is The, the Habit. Habit of Hope. Yeah. yeah, just wanted to make go back, and I can't get it out of my notes fast I want to say The Habitat of Hope, and then yeah. I'm like, wait, we're not living in a house, right? No. So, okay. <laughs> uh, I would hope we're living in the house. This podcast, you can't drink anymore on this podcast. This is, we, have to, we have to go to sober podcasting. <laughs> This is this is this is bullshit. So I was like, I was like, cried when she started reading this. I'm like, come on. That's a really. It's you can feel the. Um, I like how you wrote it. Though, like how like you have that rushing, like the in and out. Is that what you did it like that? That's pretty cool. So I tend to write by gut, and a lot of times the sound works in my favor. Yeah, it's like very melodic. I like it. It's pretty neat. So, um, how old were you when it went in the? Are, the way you publish the poems, are they mostly chronological? The way when you wrote them, or do you look um, back and go, "No, I'm going to put them in a different way." Yeah. Different so order. I actually um, sequencing a book is important, especially in poetry, like an album, right? You're telling a story. Especially, I write a lot of narrative poems. I write a lot of story, kind of driven stuff. So I actually had this sequenced in a different order, and my publisher told me go back and look at it again. And I reordered almost the whole thing. So wow. a lot of this has a chronological bent to it from like my childhood through more recent days. There's a couple of COVID poems in there because every poet wrote COVID poems in the last <laughs> three years. I worked, I worked a lot on the sequencing of this. So there were pages scattered through my whole 
bedroom I trying bet. to get it in the right order. So it took a couple tries and that sending me back to do it again, I think was one of the most valuable things he did. Yeah, it made you look at it again and rethink. Yes. And it's, I think the, the creative processes um, can be challenging. And it's funny when it, sometimes when you think like the hard part is the idea, right? That's hard, but then sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the other pieces that come into play that yes. make it even, because in my world in advertising, there's good and then there's great. Yep. And, and I, I think it's the, the, I'm sorry, I think it's those little spaces of that nuance of going, no, no, relook at the way you've laid this out and put, put, you told your story that probably took you from that good to great. And he definitely encouraged me to go back and look at it like someone who's never seen these poems before, which yeah. is a great twist That's on kind of do, what though, I'm. Especially when it's right here from yes. your soul. And it had been years of right there because I, some of these poems are three years old or four yeah. years old. So that particular poem, was it early in your writing? No, that poem was late, and I had just read a poem by um, Lucy Shaw, who's a like 94, 96-year-old poet from uh -huh. the Northwest. If I got her age wrong and she just heard that, I'm, she's not going to be happy with me. So she's definitely in her 90s. Um, North of 90. Yes, but she wrote a poem where she described the tide is sounding like lace, and it was such a like huge, clear image to me that I kind of got stuck on it. So yeah. that was a later poem. She released that book, I think, in 2021, 2022. Wow. So, yeah. And That's I've great. always had that image stuck in my head. I was like, oh, I wish I'd written that. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, too, looking at, I would imagine, or I have this problem, especially in the creative space, I can't look at other people's work that's similar to what I'm working on because you, no one wants to be a hack ever, but you get, you get caught in it. Sometimes you can't get your brain out of it or, or, you know, you, you think it, and I often won't read what other people are doing when I'm in the middle of it. Cause I don't want it to taint my own space or push me in a, in a space or redirect my own creative thinking. So I think this is one of my only poems that has that like throwback to another no, poet that's, because that's it messes me up. That's completely different because yeah. you're you you've got that back and forth. But when it that's I think it's a lovely, it's a beautiful again, a beautiful poem about rubbish. About rubbish. <laughs> it's a trash poem. I love it. But not Down a trash poem. <laughs> yes. In a completely different way. This is your first book or no? It is my first book. Okay, because I, I was reading on the back here um, where it says the author. Okay, that's loose. Okay, I yeah. got it, got it, got it. She wrote your, um, sorry. She wrote my blurb. Yeah, she did. She did. I am sorry. I apologize. I did not read this, but I do like the fact that this is June 1st, uh, 2020. This is my kind of poetry, like off like just your feeling, your straight kind of feelings instead of like, you know, kind of like contrived and... Um, well, like she said, she writes poetry for those who don't like poems or poetry. Yeah, poetry. I don't, I don't think don't I like did. Poetry. Well, I don't know. I like some poetry sometimes. Depends I on. like the stuff I can understand. Yeah. Not the things I have to have somebody teach me. Like, that's no fun. Yeah. Yeah, when you have to pull it apart. I mean, like you're talking about, like, you're talking about college classes when they're like, oh, that's yeah. not what that Most, meant. Yeah. Like, this one has Netflix, and this one's really cute. This one's on page 54. It's called Socially Distance. And the last line of it is, um, and Netflix is asking if I'm still watching, my fucking life right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like, literally, I'm, like, working or doing something else, and Netflix is like, are you still there? I'm like, 
yeah, I'm still here doing something else. So I'm trying to pretend like I have like a social life. And during this is like definitely how I feel sometimes. Yeah, and this is definitely a COVID poem where I like spent all my time sitting on the couch watching Netflix so long it would ask yeah. like, are you still there? And I was like, oh, even Netflix is judging me. This seems, <laughs> this seems bad. <laughs> this is like, now, uh, would you mind sharing that one then? Sure. Um, socially distance. The sparseness of my days, picking out the perfect peach at the farmer's market, wandering the grocery store to grab weekly staples, buying a bottle of Coke for the man who sits outside the pharmacy and opens the door. Now, a knock at my door and quick steps away. Grocery delivery, our only interaction, short messages about how ripe the banana should be. I have curled into my couch under the weight of three blankets. Nothing separates hour from hour but the motion of the sun and Netflix asking if I'm still watching. That's awesome. That's awesome. We all felt that way. But you, you feel that. Yeah. Do you really feel that moment? And also, you ordered from um, uh, what's that app? Instacart. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> when they're asking you a million questions about stuff, I still use. By the way, I love Instacart, and I still use it every day because I have kids. I just use it to order Diet Coke. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Is, is anybody listening from Diet? I mean, seriously. <laughs> We need to like just call them and be like, let's, well, we'll just talk about Diet Coke most episodes. That's yeah. totally fine. Um, no, that's pretty, um, this is pretty like spot on. So she goes from like June into social distancing and social distance and then goes exhaustion. That's um, sexting. What? <laughs> Excuse me. Dad in hot car death was sexting with other women. What are you talking about? And is that real? It is real. So I was on the internet like way early in the internet years. Um, and we had this message board full of people that I've now known for 20 years. And in 19, 19, wrong, yeah. wrong century, um, wrong millennium, even 2017, 2018, somewhere like that. One of the guys we kind of knew peripherally on that board was arrested oh. for leaving his kid in the backseat in Georgia. And it uh. became a like national thing and then all of this stuff came out that he'd been sexting underage women oh no yes so i was writing this poem and it actually had a different title and my my mentor at the time was like your title's not strong enough i don't remember what the title was and he was like you need something that's gonna be like clear because the first line is to see it in black and white like that the darkest sins of a person and he was like nope you're title needs to support that. So I went and looked up all the headlines about him. And that was one of them. That was a headline. And it was what a is headline. it again, Gina? Dad in hot car death was sexting with other women. It's pretty yes. fucked up. Yes, it was very fucked did up. Did that kid die? He did. That's, oh that's even gosh. worse. Mm -hmm. uh, oh do you know that cars now have new cars have like uh, check the back seat before you get out? Yeah, they can wow. feel the weight. Yeah, and it's like, and it's really wild, right? So a hoarder like myself that drives around stuff from restaurants constantly has, like, a ton of shit in the car. Yeah. And, like, I do have children, so, like, my car is just constantly beeping at me. It's like, put on your seatbelts, beep, 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 as yeah. I'm just going mental. I'm like, I'm like, I get it. And I just keep thinking, like, I had two kids. I didn't leave anybody in the car. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Can I turn this feature off? And you cannot. Yeah, no. You cannot turn that feature off, like, no matter what. Wow. 
Yeah, you know, you can like. You're like, no, it's liquor bottles. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't, um, you know, if your seatbelt's on. Yeah. If you have your seatbelt's on in the back seat and you turn off your car, it dings, it goes mental also because they think someone, you left somebody strapped in there. Yeah. So it's like, okay. You can't win. Well, this is for the fucking idiot that was sexting. That's yeah. right. Right? So yeah. obviously the cars are smarter now. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous. Let's do a tip. Yeah, let's do a tip. What do you think? Yeah, let's do a tip. Probably, yeah, check your back seat before you get out of the car. Yeah. But I bet you have a better one. <laughs> I do have a Let's do it. I'm never drinking moonshine again. <laughs> just so we're clear. Um, just ever clear, you said? No. Said, yeah, just ever clear. I'm just not going to drink moonshine. Just, ever, just 200 proof. All right. So, let's talk about the sugar. Sugar and drinks, right? You know, you're not going to make simple syrup. You're going to use plain old sugar. Or you're going to be like a little bit calorie conscious or whatever. So if that's your case, then fizzes are for you because they are minimal amounts of sugar with like a little bit of fruit juice, obviously the booze, and then some sort of bubbly water, soda water, uh, flavored soda water, whatever you want. So let's just make a basic um, fizz, right? So a basic fizz is something very, very simple. It would It would be... I don't know, it could be vodka, it could be rum. Let's do rum for, for this case. And you're gonna take your rum and you're gonna do about um, two ounces. You could do an ounce and a half to two ounces. I personally would like an ounce and a half, so I'm gonna pour that in. And then it becomes the next portion, right? You're like, what am I gonna put in there? Am I gonna use um, fruit? Am I gonna use pineapple, whatever? It, whatever you want, it's up to you. Um, what you want to do is use your sugar. So you can either use powdered sugar. And when you're getting powdered sugar, you want to make sure you're using a very fine sugar and not powdered sugar because it has cornstarch in it. Cornstarch, it will make it a little bit cakey. Can you use it? Of course. But if you want to make something a little bit more, even more calorie conscious like then when I said, you can go ahead and get a little bit artificial. Now, normally I promote, don't do that. Just take the calories, get in the treadmill and run. But Let's be honest, you're gonna have a lot of guests or people in your house that this is what they prefer. So if you're gonna use that, you can use Splenda in your drink, right? So you pour it right in, it dissolves right away. Cause it's clearly made to do that. We'll put a little bit of ice and then we're gonna add a couple of slices of lemon and soda water, right? I know it sounds really simple and you're like, oh my God, what kind of drink is this? Well, technically you just made a fizz. Crazy, right? Now, what's the difference between a fizz, a fix? Um, you know, a fribble. Fribbles are friendlies. I miss friendlies. I wish friendlies would come back. Uh, we're gonna put a bit of lemon in there uh, just because it's great. Um, and we're gonna add a little bit of uh, soda water. This is where it becomes the fizz, right? So we take a hard, a uh, little bit of Perrier, throw it on top. We have our booze, a sweetener, and a lemon or citrus. That is the ingredients that make this what it's, the drink is called. So, all those three things in there, you're like, okay, you just made an artificially sweet lemon uh, light cocktail. Correct. And that is what a fizz is. Just nice and bubbly and refreshing. And it's not a vodka soda. So cheers. My nose is tingling after that one, Gina. I know, All right? Fizzy fizzies. Yeah, dry fizzes, right? <laughs> so you want to like, you don't have to put a lot of sugar into drinks. You can, you know, manipulate sugar. You can use... Um, you know, spun if you want. You can use different things and like making something not too sweet and long is what a fizz is. And then a fix is not making it sweet with the same like less amount of juice. And like it's just like a hint of the flavor. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, so, it was fun. 
Yeah, it's good, right? Absolutely. And you don't have to make it alcoholic, which yeah. is even better. Absolutely. Right? So you can do both. So you always kids, do great. Driving, great. Or, or just add the booze. Dump, add the booze and Uber. What? Yes. There you go. Yeah, don't drive. Don't Maybe drive. it's at home. Yeah. All right. So uh, where are they going to go to get this tip and trick? You're going to go to designateddrinker.show for our tips, tricks. If you want to see it in action, you can go to Instagram at designateddrinker. Um, and, and if you if you didn't catch any of that, um, don't worry. You just scroll down into the episode notes. It'll be right there. I'll have the links for our Instagram account. Um, it'll send you right to our website. So you can get to the, li- the library of libations, which are billions of cocktails that Gina's crafted, which are all amazing. And we will also make sure that th- there is a link there for Dawn's book, The Habit of Hope. All right. So um, that's going to bring us uh, to the end of part one with poet Don E. Morrow. But if you're anything like me or anything like Gina, one round is just never enough. So go ahead, go top off that cocktail of yours and get ready for part two of this episode as we continue our boozy banter. And Gina's uh, sure to share a cocktail recipe that is sure to inspire your inner poet. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a Latino-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, we craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please don't forget to follow, download, and review the shows. Your reviews help our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.